You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Hello and welcome to Panels of Blood, the podcast where I read you horror comics from all eras. I'm your host, Wes Deadair Knight. First up, I'd like to thank Rick Hunter for the use of his music for our opening and closing themes for the podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Chris Begarin for his amazing art that we also use. If you're just joining us, this is the second part to our multiple part series as we go through the first volume of Mars Attacks titled Attack from Space. In the last episode, we were introduced to the Martian Czar, an alien who crash-landed on Earth with three other crewmates. He was taken by two redneck characters and was sold to a fair to appear in a freak show. His crewmates came to rescue him. A lot of death and mayhem and destruction ensued. Czar escaped. One of his dead companions was taken away by a shadowy group of government agents. After which we saw that Czar would eventually become a general and want to take his revenge on Earth for killing his friends, trying to kill him when they were only on a reconnaissance mission. Don't really have a lot of preamble. I really want to get right to it today. But if you guys are enjoying Anything from Mars Attacks, I absolutely recommend that you check out these books. IDW has done a wonderful job of releasing these. I would highly recommend a lot of the classic comics from the 1990s, but this story that we're going to be reading today is one of my favorites. So, without further ado, I bring you the second issue of Mars Attacks, Attack from Space. Written and lettering by John Lehman. Pencils and Inks, John McRae. Colorist, Andrew Elder. Edited by Denton J. Tipton. We open to an establishing shot. An upper-middle-class home in the suburbs, a park nearby. There seems to be two satellites on the roof, and in the upper corner, some flying saucers hovering in space. A middle-aged businessman, black suit, briefcase, glasses is saying goodbye to his family, a child, a baby, and a wife. The caption reads, It happened on a Wednesday. Just an average, ordinary day, with everybody going on with their average, ordinary lives. We now see this businessman whistling a happy tune while driving away in his vehicle. A giant humanoid robot with a box head shooting a laser beam down at a truck that is exploding on the road behind him. He appears not to notice whatsoever. The caption continues. And nobody had any idea of the suffering and calamity that was about to befall the entire planet. That this was the Wednesday morning when our world would forever change. That this was the day that. We now see the same man looking at his phone He's got an earpiece in, 
He's just walking down the street, minding his own business. Behind him, an alien is blasting away at a running human who's been reduced to a skeleton. The caption continues. Mars attacks. We now see this man, absolutely shocked, dropping his briefcase and phone, looking out to the absolute horror, carnage, calamity in front of him. This is a beautiful double-page spread. In the sky, we have thousands of flying saucers, several motherships, each spewing out far smaller saucers. The buildings have been completely demolished. They're on fire. Human bodies lie scattered across the ground, smoldering, fleshy skeletons. In the distance, we see more giant robots firing lasers. And right near the man, we see many Martian invaders firing away at the helpless populace. One of them is looking directly at him. It's kind of like when, the, you know, the opening of Shaun of the Dead, where they don't really notice for a while that everyone's a zombie around them. I feel like it's kind of like that. This guy just completely oblivious. And a little card on the corner of the page has an alien blasting away at the midsection of a scared human, his guts flying in all directions. The card is titled, 21st Century Slaughter. We have an establishing shot of a military base. A helicopter is landing. The caption reads, Well, almost nobody had any idea. They flash the date. January 1963. So we're back in the past. Someone shouts from the military base, What the heck is it? We see inside an examination room, an older gentleman in a black suit, short, buzz cut, silver hair. Next to him is a smaller man who seems slightly younger and more of a businessman. This other guy looks like he might be military at the very least. We now see what they've been looking at in the examination room. One of the Martians, who's actually not dead, is staring at them. Numerous wires and instruments are hooked up to him. He's looking at their direction. One of them speaks. I don't know. Martian, we think. Venusian, maybe. Some dang thing. From the crash recovery in the Arctic? Or the incident at... Neither. Found this one at some country fair where he and a few of his buddies went berserk on townsfolk. This one's the only one that survived. An image of a card is over the page, where an image of two sinister-looking doctors in surgical masks are doing horrible experimentation on an alien's body. We now see a panel of the same mysterious government agent now holding a helmet attached to a bunch of wires that are leading up towards the ceiling. Of course, once we're through with him, he's gonna wish he didn't. The other man asks, You're killing him? He responds, Nah, this critter's pretty tough. We're just softening him up. Make sure he's nice and cooperative when we want him to spill all those alien secrets. We see the alien looking distressed as this mysterious helmet is placed down over his giant brain. And we see for the first time, just as an aside, these Martians without their spacesuits on. And they have green bodies, but they're pretty ripped. All things considered, I mean, this alien has abs. This government agent reaches towards a lever. 
time may come when more than a saucerful of these monsters come down to pay planet Earth a visit. He throws the lever, and it sends a massive electrical shock towards the alien's entire body. And I aim to make sure we're ready. Now, we're back to the present day. An alien is blasting a human's head apart. We see its jaw, teeth, one eyeball, and its neck just gushing blood and vaporizing in the energy. The caption reads, We weren't ready. We see a shot of a pilot looking as one of his compatriots is blown out of the sky by some flying saucers. Conventional weaponry didn't work. We now see a troop of aliens amongst the legs of a giant alien robot being bombarded with high-tech looking military soldiers. They are shooting what looks to be some kind of green energy waves, almost maybe a sonic frequency or something else. The caption continues, non-conventional weaponry proved equally ineffective. And the Martian captive who was tortured into giving information to create a super weapon. Fired up. Let's give these creeps a taste of their own medicine. See a very elderly man in a cane standing there. It might even have been the same government agent from all those years ago, although that man even looked like he was probably in his 50s. So, I mean, this guy's got to be like 100 years old or something. This super weapon that they're talking about, by the way, is this giant alien looking ray it's it's a ta it's so huge it's you know several times the size of a normal human being it has uh red cables running in and out of it a glowing center um it looks very sci-fi futuristic and the caption continues that martian lied the old man yells to another soldier operating the device what in tarnation the young man responds something's wrong Run for it! Kaboom! A massive explosion. The weapon, seemingly everyone in the facility, the entire facility itself seems to explode. And the explosion makes the shape of an alien sort of menacing his clawed hands down towards the explosion. A look of pure glee and satisfaction on its face, if you can call it much of an expression, because, I mean, they don't even really seem to have eyelids, they don't have lips, they don't have a nose, but he, th this strange image of this alien, perhaps either a representation of the entire alien species, this Martian species, or it might be the, the ghostly image amongst the explosion of that alien they tortured all those years ago. I'm not sure, but that alien lied and this super weapon did nothing. The caption continues, and that wasn't the worst of it. Someone speaks, Mr. President, we have a problem. One hour earlier, an establishing shot, the White House. Mr. President, we have a problem. A card is across the page, aliens moving in on the White House, and it says, a capital offensive. We now are within the Oval Office. We see a president, fairly young-looking, sitting behind his desk. One of his aides is speaking to him. We have a scheduling conflict, sir. Mm-hmm. Got a photo op with some science club school kids in the East Wing at 11. The same time, you're slated to meet with Senator Spencer to discuss his SETI expansion bill. Spencer? 
Yes, sir. Charles Buck Spencer, the astronaut? We do indeed see Senator Spencer. Now, for those of you just joining us in the previous volume, we were introduced to Spencer, who was orbiting in outer space when the alien craft from the 1960s first crash-landed on Earth. So he did see it. We now see him looking strong, short hair, graying. Looks to be a man in his late 50s. A little past his prime, but, you know, doesn't look too decrepit. The aide says... The president will see you now, Senator Spencer. We now see Spencer shaking hands with the president. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. President. Pleasure's all mine, Senator Spencer. You know, you're the real hero to me. We see one of the president's secret agents sort of given this whole conversation the side eye. The president continues. I can remember watching your moon landing when I was just a kid. Uh, that wasn't me, Mr. President. I was part of Mercury Blackrock, just an orbiter. Several years before the moon landing. A close-up on Senator Spencer's face as the president does a little tap dancing. Well, even so, I bet you saw some things up there you'll never forget. Didn't you, Buck? Fifty years earlier, we see a young Spencer looking out the window of his orbiter as a smoking spacecraft flies past him. The two men walking out of the Oval Office, both in silhouette, Spencer says... Yeah, you could say that again. A slit panel floating to the corner of the page has the two men walking side by side. There the focus, a totally white background. Spencer goes on to say, Mr. President, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk about this SETI expansion bill. If we are not alone in the universe, and I don't believe we are, then there's nothing more important than... Later, Buck. Got some folks I want you to meet. We see welcome young scientists and might say innovators, probably. It's obscured by what looks to be a pudgy Boy Scout. And there's a, a young Indian boy that looks very smart and put together, shirt tucked in. A, a young Asian girl who's in a, a skirt and a striped sweater. And uh, behind them, with a hand on the shoulder of uh, one of the young boys and... Uh, Hand on the small of the back of the young girl is an elderly-looking professor who's got kind of a cue ball thing going on here with weird, gray, stringy, straw-like hair poking out the sides of his head. He looks like a fucking cartoon professor. But if we just look down the page, it's an identical panel of all these people standing there waiting to greet Senator Spencer and the president, except all of their bodies are in this strange silhouette, this green silhouette. And we can see that all of these people are secretly Martian invaders. The kids, the professor, all of them. They're dressed as humans, but they have the giant exposed brains, the skull-like features, and the circular saucer eyes. The caption for everyone looking human says, This is what Buck and the President and the rest of the humans see. And the caption below it, now the exposed aliens. And this is how it is. The president says, and some things I want you to see. We see the president cheerfully extending his hand to the Boy Scout child who's smiling in turn. The caption reads, what the humans see. The professor says, Mr. President, Senator Spencer, 
May I present the winners of the Young Scientists and Innovators of America competition? Why, hello, youngsters. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. The caption reads, how it is. We see Senator Spencer and the president still cheerfully talking to these children, who, of course, are Martians. Welcome to the future, eh, Buck? Science fiction just became science fact, thanks to these bright young minds. What is all this stuff? We see the professor holding a strange purple and green box. It looks alien, somewhat futuristic. The caption reads, What the humans see. Well, this device is similar, at least in principle, to an atomic clock. It uses ultraviolet microwaves on an electronic transition frequency to monitor the atoms in the electromagnetic spectrum to keep absolute perfect time how it is. The professor in the exact same position, except now fully an alien. The difference is, is one of his hands, or both of his hands for that matter, seem to be metallic and gold gloves that he's wearing. The alien professor goes on to say, Only unlike the traditional atomic clock, it is based on the magnetic resonance of not Earth, but Mars. It looks like it's counting down to something, Spencer says. The president says, Fascinating. And what's this? The caption reads, and this is why. We have a panel completely white with the two men's shadows looking over this strange gold glove. The professor says, This only potentially the future of modern subterfuge as we know it. The hollow skin projector. We now see the professor. He looks human again and he's slipping on the glove. The president says, What? The professor says, the hollow skin projector, and just like it sounds, you put this on and the projectors in the glove emit a thin holographic field that allows you to disguise yourself. You just program in what you want to appear as, hit a couple of buttons, and voila, anything at all. We see in this series of panel, the professor turns himself into a taller, much younger man with spectacles. Then a second one, he turns into an alien, rather appropriate. But instead of the sinister, brain-exposed Martians that we've seen many times before, it's one of the more traditional gray aliens. And then he changes into the appearance of the president himself. Anybody at all. It even modulates vocal tone and pitch to a desired setting. We now see the professor is back to his at least human guise. Astonishing, the president proclaims. A panel of Spencer nervously holding his own hands while this gold glove is in the president's open palm. My goodness, imagine this technology in the wrong hands, eh, Buck? Meanwhile, we see a panel of the Queen of England Queen Elizabeth II walking down quartered off busy streets while one of her guards is a Martian. And someone says, Make way for Her Majesty. And then we see two dancing girls far off into the east while a, a large robed man claps his hands together. Send in the dancing girls. And another man says, As you wish, Sultan. It looks funny. It's, it's one of the one of the the dancing girls is a, a beautiful veiled woman, and the other one is a Martian who's dressed exactly the same. 
And then we see another panel of two cardinals clearly in the Vatican. One of the cardinals is, of course, an alien. Cardinal Greenkin to see his holiness. It's funny, Greenkin, and he's a green Martian. It's pretty funny. Um, so as this is establishing, these Martians have access to the highest points of power in the world. I mean, you have one, a group of them, in fact, at the President of the United States. You got one right next to the Queen of England. You have another one uh, visiting a sultan. You have another one getting an audience with the Pope. So these guys are everywhere. We're now back to this little presentation going on in the White House. And the president says, This technology is astonishing. Simply out of this world. The Boy Scout alien, who looks like a Boy Scout, says, Of course, it's still in the prototype stages. We've had some stability issues. The president says, Such as? We now see Spencer contemplating this strange purple box. Something about this doesn't feel right. We now see that this Boy Scout is cobbling together a lot of these smaller pieces of a bunch of strange technology. We don't really know what it is. It looks like he's, well, it looks kind of like he's crafting a gun of some kind. And he goes on to say to the president, The holographs only last for a short time. All that matters is it lasts long enough. As long as it lasts long enough for what? We now see the alien putting together the final parts of this ray gun as his holograph fails, and we can clearly see that he's a Martian. There's a little sound effect, zorp. For this, Mr. President, Spencer dive-tackles the president out of the way just in time as a blast from the alien's ray gun rips past him. Mr. President! Series of blasts, pop, pop, pop. The Secret Service agents fire back. All of the holograms have failed now, so we can clearly see all the Martians. The one that was pretending to be the professor gets lit the fuck up. Brain matter going in all directions, gets shot in the eye, gets shot in the chest. One of the secret agents yells, All available Secret Service agents to the East Wing, we have an emergency! Spencer and the President are running through the White House as lasers blast behind them. Come on, sir. What? What's happening? I think science fiction just became science fact. Buck Spencer, U.S. Senator. <laughs> that's like a, that's a trailer moment right there. Like if this was a movie, that would definitely be a line in the trailer. The, the caption that said Buck Spencer, U.S. Senator, goes on to say, Former astronaut. We have Spencer walking towards a rocket ship getting ready to go into outer space. We now see Spencer as a young man again, this time walking through the swamps. He's in military garb. He's probably in doing a tour in Vietnam. Decorated veteran. And as of today, the man who saved the president. Look out! They are continuing to run down the hall as aliens fire behind them. We now are in a flashback back to Vietnam. Spencer and his platoon are walking knee-deep in the swamp. The caption reads, He's seen it before. Vietnam, 1958. Special Forces. Covert military reconnaissance mission. More than half a decade before official U.S. involvement. The horrors of war. The cruelty of an enemy. We see two men strung up in the trees, skinned alive. Not unlike that scene from uh, Predator. We see a close-up panel of someone's boot tripping a wire. 
the trickery of the enemy. It was they who taught him that a well-timed distraction and a moment's hesitation meant the difference between life and death. We see this tripwire has sprung a scarecrow-like decoy that flies up. The men draw their guns towards a foe enemy, and then from behind, their true attacker shoots down Spencer's platoon, and he looks on in horror. We're now back to the present. Spencer diving towards the floor as an alien blast fires off just over his head. Rubble, parts of the White House crumble down over top of him. The president shouts out, Gah! Senator Spencer! The president, scared, tears in his eyes, looks confused, uncertain what to do. Spencer, reaching up from the rubble, Go on, Mr. President, run for it! As the president runs, the alien troops run past him, and Spencer plays dead. The aliens don't seem to notice that they missed him. We now see Spencer springing out from the rubble in a crouched position, ready for action. He looks off in the direction of one of the blasts. I'll catch up. The president, running into the Oval Office, is greeted by half a dozen of the Secret Service. One of them shouts to him, Get behind us, Mr. President. We'll keep you alive. Or die trying. The secret forces. I'm getting so emotional right now. This is fucking so good, guys. I'm not doing this justice. You guys gotta buy this book, as I'm telling you. We see the secret agents firing off desperately at the aliens. They clip a couple, but the alien ray guns blast through one of their torsos. Another of the Secret Service is flying away, his chest on fire with raw energy. It's like a plasma of some kind. Another of the Secret Service has gotten shot in the neck. The president, in a ducking cover position, is surrounded by the charred corpses of his Secret Service, one of them still holding a gun pathetically in the same direction as the alien, like it might even try to fire. The president, terrified, cowering from these aliens, what do you creatures want? Why are you doing this? We see a Martian trooper looking down with contempt on the president. It aims its gun right on the president's head, and it says in its alien language, <coughs> Suddenly, a shout from the other side of the room, No! The alien trooper turns its head to the sound of the direction. The president also turns his head, tears streaming down his face. We see another Martian speaking and pointing towards this alien trooper. Get your grubby freak hands off the leader of the free world. The caption reads, the trooper was confused. He'd seen his commander gunned down by the humans. And we see a flashback panel of the alien pretending to be the professor getting lit up by Secret Service. And didn't understand how his commander was back or why he chose to speak the tongue of humans. We see this newcomer alien commander reaching for the American flag. The caption reads, A well-timed distraction, a moment's hesitation, the difference between life and death. And this mysterious trooper takes the American flag and stabs this Martian through the head the sharp end of the flagpole going through the alien's eye socket, skewering its eyeball and pulling it out with it. All thanks to Buck Spencer, American hero. We see Buck Spencer presses a few buttons on this glove, and he is indeed using the holographic device that 
confused them all in the first place, but at this turn, managed to give himself just enough advantage to take down this last alien trooper. Spencer says, You're safe now, Mr. President. And so, not long thereafter, we have an establishing shot of the Oval Office, completely devastated, the alien trooper lying face down on the ground, the American flag stabbed through his head. We can see in the top corner of the panel, it's waving a little bit. There's a bunch of armed Secret Service agents all over the place. Spencer and the president are standing in the center with other aides. Uh, the president is being handled, a bunch of manila folders. The Secret Service agent says, West Wing is secured, Mr. President, at least for now. Here's a briefing we prepared for you, sir. The president goes over these files. Uh, Mr. President, it might be better if you read this on the way to your bunker. Or better yet, once we've gotten you there, just a minute. We see the president looking at this briefing. He looks terrified, shocked, sweat starting to pour down his face. Can, can this be true? All this damage, all this death, destruction, coordinated assassinations of world leaders. It gets worse, Mr. President. Worse? How is that even possible? Take a look outside, Mr. President. And we see countless alien shock troops marching just outside the White House, flying saucers in the sky, and with them, giant insects. Most of them look like ants. There's other things that look far more alien. They look vicious, hungry, and below all these strange alien invaders, the charred human remains of everyone who wasn't able to get away. And there you have it, the end of book two of Mars Attacks, Attack from Space. Next up, chapter three, Overwhelmed by Insects. So yeah, bringing back the giant insects. The giant insects were part of the original Topps cards, but they didn't really make appearance in the 1996 movie at all, and it was kind of something that was left out a little bit, but... John Lehman brings us back to form in the Mars Attacks universe with using the insects, so it's pretty cool. I hope you guys are really liking this. I'm having a really great time reading this book to you. Um, it's so fun. There's so much cool science fiction mixed with horror, lots of really great violence in it. I mean, again, I've said this several times in this episode just because I'm like super animated and excited, but you guys should definitely check this out if you can. Um... If you guys have any comments or questions or requests about future comics that you'd like me to read, um, you can definitely check me out at Wes Deadairnipe on Twitter. You can go to our SoundCloud where we'll be uploading this and also the main page of SplatterPictures.net. Also, just to let you guys know, we do have a Facebook page for Splatter Pictures. It's Splatter Pictures slash Deadair Podcast. I'm probably just going to change it to Splatter Pictures, but that is the official Facebook page of our little family of podcasts that, that we do at spottedpictures.net. But, oh, and just one more thing before I go. This weekend, I'm going to be in Toronto, Canada, for Anime North. It's one of the longest-running uh, conventions that I've ever gone to. I won't have a table there, but if you guys are going to be there and you guys want to meet up, just let me know on Twitter or something like that. We can talk science fiction and comics and horror and all the stuff that I definitely love to spend my time talking about. But if I don't see you then, I will see you right back here next week. I'm Wes Deadair Nipe, and you've been listening to Panels of Blood.